Welcome to the Second in Command podcast, produced by the COO Alliance and brought to you by its founder, Cameron Harold. In the Second in Command podcast, we talk to top COOs who share the insights, strategies, and tactics that made them the chief behind the chief. And now, here's your host, Cameron Harold. Welcome to this edition of the Second in Command podcast, The Chief Behind the Chief. Today we're talking to Brittany Walters, who serves as the Director of Operations with Book in a Box. Um, Book in a Box is a great way for leaders to share their wisdom with the world through books and other media. Her longstanding passion for empowering individuals and businesses by solving problems, maximizing efficiency and effectiveness, and developing new ventures and cultivating strong relationships has traveled with her through diverse industries, including leading operations in publishing, marine conversation, and international education. Brittany is also a uh, member of the COO Alliance. So Brittany, welcome to the show. Thanks, Cameron. Wonderful to be here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to, uh, to learning from you. So tell us a little bit about how you ended up at Book in a Box. Where did, um, you know, what was your path and how did you end up there? Yeah, absolutely. So I've always been obsessed with solving problems, figuring out how things work, building structure. Um, so that's been a common thread throughout the trajectory of my career history, but I've done that in a variety of different industries. So I really began my career in international education. Uh, So building master degree programs for students from the US to be able to complete their degrees at universities abroad. And then eventually I took advantage of the chance to go and work abroad myself. So um, was traveling throughout Southeast Asia and and landed a position in Fiji of all places where I was managing uh, volunteer and research projects on a remote island called Benga. Um, again, solving problems, overseeing the project operations, but in a very, very different environment than, than I had come from. And so after about a year and a half of that, uh, I found that a lot of the problems I was solving were repeating themselves. And, and a key factor of loving to solve problems requires that you can actually solve them. And so I was having to repair the same boat engine regularly and help people navigate complexities of group dynamics and, and really just didn't have the resources to solve efficiently a lot of the dysfunction that I saw. And so I started researching. I started just doing a lot of investigation about culture and the the different ways that other companies conduct themselves. Um, I knew I I loved operations. I wanted to stay in that realm, but I wanted a very different environment to do that in. And and through that research is how I initially found Book in a Box, who fortunately was looking for someone just like me, um, had a crazy interview and hiring story with them. I was evacuated for a, a hurricane for the majority of my interview process. There were roosters in the background of my of my video interview with the CEO. It was uh, definitely an unconventional path, I think, throughout the hiring process, but it was a phenomenal fit. I moved to the U.S. two weeks later and haven't looked back a single day since. Wow. And, and you've been there how long now? Has it been a year? Almost two years. It'll be two years in May. Wow, it's happened fast. So yes. tell me, how many people do you guys have throughout the organization full-time and then also all your contract? And you know, tell us roughly how many, um, you know, how many books you guys are cranking out a year. Just give us a perspective as to the scope because you're managing something pretty, pretty fast-growing and pretty big already. Yeah, so we're about to hit 35 full-time tribe members. Uh, and then we're also working with about 150 freelance uh, contractors. And those are largely the creative roles who, who you know, are designing the covers, doing a lot of the writing really highly skilled freelancers that we work with on a very regular basis. Um, and then ask again the second part of your question. And um, just, no, I just wanted to get a bit of a scope. So that, that, that's good. I don't know, and how many books are you guys cranking out a year? Uh, uh, well over 400. So we just surpassed 650 
um, all-time books, and, and we anticipate to start at least 400 this year. It's amazing. Like you're, you're probably rivaling any of the major publishing houses at this point. Yeah, and it's because so our, the way we're able to do our process is so much more efficient and streamlined than what anyone would go through on their own, of course. I mean, you know this as an author yourself, but um, what anyone would be able to do through a traditional publisher, because from start to finish, we can crank out a book, structure it, design the cover, do a phenomenal layout, and put it through a marketing launch in you know six to nine months, depending on how much reflection time that author would like to take, um, which is phenomenal to be able to, to do that and kind of have all hands on deck in bringing our author's dreams to life. Yeah, I've done, I've done two books with you guys already out of the four that I've written. And then I've got a, a fifth one that I'm doing with you guys right now that's going to come out um, in the fall. And, and the process really is amazing. So tell me, when, when you're running with all these freelancers, how do you guys manage um, the freelancers in terms of you know, getting stuff done, but also in terms of making them feel like they're a part of the tribe, a part of the culture? How do you, how do you bring them in and keep them part of the culture when they're remote? And how do you manage them and get results through them? Yeah, so it's a, a bit different for our, our tribe members and our freelancers. So I'll answer the question from the freelancer perspective first. Sure. Um, over the course of the past year, we've done a lot of work to integrate, um, or at least to give our freelancers the option of integrating into a lot of the tools that we use. And so um, all of our project management happens on one singular platform that freelancers have access to. So they can see the progress of their project. They upload their files there. They can ask questions to our full-time team and the project managers there. Um, so it's much easier for them to have the immediate support and access they need. And then we also have a Slack channel that our freelancers can choose to join just so that they have community amongst themselves. Um, we try regularly to do freelancer meetups in certain cities where we have a lot of, of freelancers that contribute regularly so that they can uh, build relationships with one another, share advice with one another about how to level up their careers above and beyond the work that they're doing with Book in a Box. Um, and then we just regularly share our culture with them. We share stories of things that are meaningful to us or um, details about how we've made decisions that a lot of freelancers would normally not have access to um, for the opportunity to really connect with the company that they're contributing to. But they really are the life source of the work that we do. They're, they're phenomenally talented and they contribute so much to the, the books and the other media products that we're creating. Uh, and so we really do try to constantly do right by them, pay them quickly, show gratitude for the work that they're doing, and invite them to be a part of the things that we're excited about as a company. Wow, you're doing a hell of a job with it. If you had the technology tools that you're using, do you have the top two or three that you use that you know the company couldn't do without? Yeah, so for project management, we last August switched from Trello to something called Teamwork. And it integrates, it, it allows us to invite all of the freelancers onto that platform without a huge cost. Um, we found it to be very effective. It also allows freelancers to log time directly within that platform. So again, keeps everything really organized in one place. So teamwork, I would say, is the top one. And then the second one internally for us is called Shortlist. Uh, and that's really a freelance management platform. It allows us to send out bids for different projects that are taking place. Um, to track important information, almost as a CRM for the freelancers that we're working with, um, track different details of the specific projects that, that they're doing from a, an assignment perspective. Uh, and so those two things integrate together really nicely to allow us to stay organized and, and be able to focus more on the things that matter. Sorry, what was the last one? Was it short rib? Short, uh, short list. It's called short list. Oh, short list. Okay, cool. I haven't heard of that one. That's great. Yeah. Um, 
So when you, when you were out, you said when you were kind of scouting around and looking at different cultures and, and learning about different cultures before you joined Book in a Box, what were some of the key lessons that you learned from looking at culture and being kind of, um, I guess, interested in company cultures? Ooh, the biggest one is trying to differentiate between phenomenal marketing and companies who actually walk the talk. And so for me, the biggest thing to look into to differentiate between those things is results. Going back to results, what's the trajectory that this company's on? Are they going to continue rising up? What is, what, what's the, the history of results that they've already achieved or any patterns that you can identify in the way they've made decisions, uh, the way they've honored their values, the way they're communicating about their, their own culture, their values and principles publicly. Um, all of those things I think are really important. Like when I was going through my interview process with JT McCormick, our CEO, uh, Zach Obra and Tucker Max, our co-founders, I interviewed each of them one-on-one -on -one separately and I asked a lot of the same questions because I wanted to see, is there consistency in their answers? Is, you know, do they have completely misaligned perspectives of where the company's heading and what their place is in it and what my place may be if I'm offered the position or do these things align and are they frequently referencing their own culture or using, like clearly using that as a lens through which they're operating? Um, and I was blown away by all of my interactions with, with everybody through Book in a Box. Oh, interesting. Okay, so you mentioned that you, you interviewed all the founders and, um, and the CEO. So when you were interviewing them um, and interviewing Tucker, Tucker's got a bit of a, a checkered past. I mean, he's, he would be, uh, he's, a good, he's a good friend and an amazing, one of the smartest people I've ever met. But, you know, when he, when he did his works with, um, I hope they serve beer in hell and assholes finish first, like, he definitely has a bit of a controversial past. How did you, how did you come to terms with that um, in the interview process when you were deciding to come on board? Did you know about it? And then now in the lens of this whole Me Too movement, how do you, how do you build such an amazing culture with a CEO that was like that in the past or, or has he changed? Yeah, there are several things that I would say in response to that. So um, to start with, with your, your final comment, has he changed? Absolutely. So we believe deeply in the human ability to evolve, right? Growth mindset is a huge aspect of our culture. And Tucker Max is perhaps one of the greatest examples of that. He's, he has a, a wonderful wife, Veronica. They have two beautiful children. Uh, the company that he founded is largely led by, by women. Um, and he treats us with immense respect. If, if, uh, if anything sets Tucker off, it's when someone, male or female, regardless of gender, doesn't recognize their own power. Um, and so I would say the majority of my, my interactions with him are all focused around that, around what are my growth goals, who do I want to become, and how can Tucker help me have more clarity into that, as opposed to him demeaning me in, in any aspect. And so I, I would absolutely say people can grow. Um, I will also admit that before I accepted the position, it was a huge concern for me. Um, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't getting myself into a situation where I would be limited in my own growth or where I would have to uh, accommodate anything that I disagreed with. Um, and so I, again, you'll probably get the sense that I'm a, a researcher. So I did a ton of research about Tucker specifically uh, just to see like, what, what is the difference between media persona? What is guerrilla marketing genius that this person used to their own advantage to leverage a career uh, versus what are the actual interactions that this person's had with, or excuse me, this person has had with people who know him, um, what's the feedback that those people are sharing? And consistently what I found 
through that research was that the people who actually knew Tucker, uh, including a blog post from someone who had actually been let go from Book in a Box, uh, mm-hmm. they, yeah, their interactions with him were all inspiring. They were encouraging. The person who Tucker was to those people was radically different than the way that Tucker you know, is generally portrayed in, in media for books like I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell and kind of that persona um, that served him really well in, in certain aspects, but is certainly not indicative of who he is as a, as a person. Yeah, it's, it's funny, like, because I've, I've seen that in him as well. And he's obsessed about the company, obsessed about the culture. Obsessed <laughs> about the culture. If anyone is more, I mean, not to say that we should rank how obsessed our whole tribe is about our culture, because we always joke and say we put the cult in culture. Um, but Tucker is a, a huge core of it. And to have culture flow down from our founders, from our CEO, I mean, it starts, it can start there. And to see how seriously everybody takes it, but especially, you know, at the founder level, I think that's part of why it's been able to be so strong and, and so firmly at the core of how we operate. No, and you can really see it as well. Like I know Tucker and Zach, the two founders, and then I also know JT, the CEO, and now you as well through the COO Alliance. And to see the strengths um, that each of you have, but also the the, such similar culture and core values and fit, it's pretty Mm -hmm. extraordinary to get four people, four leaders that that just vibrate the same way. So it's really cool. They've done a good job. Yeah, and I would say it, it expands far beyond those four people. So now we're almost at 35 and 35 full time. And uh, the most important thing that we do is, is bring in the right people, um, ensuring that culture is at the forefront of all of our hiring decisions as well, so that all 35 of those people are actually vibrating at the same level and preserving this thing that's, that's so crucial to who we are. So how do you how do you get everyone on the same page and the, the same vision for the organization? I mean, first with two founders and then with you know, a CEO who came in, I guess, as a customer and became CEO. <laughs> how do you, how did you all get on the same page? What do you do to ensure that everyone's aligned with one common vision? Yeah. So we, in, in terms of um, cult, like cultural vision, we have a really clearly defined culture doc that outlines our values and our principles and we reference it constantly. So anytime that we're celebrating somebody, that celebration is tied back to a value or a principle. Uh, we have monthly, what we call monthly culture calls because half of our full-time team is remote and distributed, um, now internationally as far as Australia and Jamaica. And so everybody connects together on video calls and we talk about culture. We talk about decisions that we've made as a company. We ask questions about um, anywhere that we feel we're falling short and talk really openly about how we can better embody that, um, that vision of who we, who we are and who we will continue to be culturally. Um, in terms of vision of, of where our company is growing, um, we, we are the core audience for Vivid Vision that you just wrote because we desperately need to sit down and, and do the exercise. We're phenomenal at momentum and we're phenomenal about understanding um, our opportunity within our market. It, the importance of helping people share their messages and their ideas with the world. Initially, that started through publishing books um, over the course of the next six to 12 months. That will also launch to, um, to speaking, to book marketing, and to book coaching for individuals who want guidance to writing their own books. Um, and so each time we onboard a group of new hires, they go through a really detailed uh, culture onboarding. They go through a company vision and history onboarding, a company structure onboarding, so that they can kind of see all of the different 
pieces that make up our puzzle and why all of them are so important. Um, and that helps keep all of us aligned, even though we are moving really quickly, changing really quickly. Um, I think that's a, a really important piece that keeps us all centered amongst that chaos. And do you use that? I mean, you mentioned you do a lot of it through the onboarding. Do you do any of that in part of the recruiting process at all in terms of using it as a filter as to who gets interviewed? Excellent question. Yes. So we actually also have what we call the, the tribe avatar um, and we do role avatars for every single role that we're hiring for. And so the tribe avatar is, is solely focused around culture. Like what are the common characteristics that we've seen amongst every successful, deeply engaged, fulfilled member of our tribe. Um, and we've spent a lot of time distilling those down and reflecting on what questions can we ask candidates uh, as early as the, as the written application responses, like what questions can we ask throughout this entire process to see clearly whether or not somebody would thrive here um, from a cultural perspective. And then we do the exact same thing from a role perspective. That's cool. Now you guys are getting ready to go through a rebrand. Um, is that public yet? It is, it's not public yet. So we're still working on it. Um, and we expect that to take place by July at the latest, but we're still kind of behind the scenes mapping out the strategy of how that will happen. Okay. So can you, can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, without telling us what it's going to become, can you talk to us about how you're going through that process? Can you give us insights as to how a company might start doing something or why you might start doing something? Or do we want to keep that off the record? Um, let's keep that off the record. Cause to be honest, I don't feel that I would have as use. We're still figuring a lot of it out. To be honest, I would still need to listen to a podcast with someone explaining that to us. Okay. <laughs> yep. All good. Sounds good. So tell me, tell me a little bit more then about the employee recruiting process. Where do you guys go out and get your talent, both on the freelancer side and also on the tribe side? Where do you go out and find your core people? How do you find them? How do you recruit them? How do you bring them into the fold? How do you interview? Um, just kind of walk us through some of that people side of the business. Absolutely. So thus far, we've been really fortunate in that our brand has a lot of attention. We have a, a relatively large following of people who have discovered our culture, discovered what we're doing as a company in terms of bringing, bringing people's ideas to life, and they're really excited about it. So thus far, all of our hiring has been passive, with, or passive on our end, so with candidates coming to us. Um, and so when we open up a position, we push it out to several different job sites, push it out through LinkedIn, Glassdoor, and then we also have our own recruitment list of about 30,000 people who follow our openings specifically. And we've been quite fortunate in finding great candidates that way. I suspect that soon we'll reach the point where we'll also have to start active recruiting, um, which as you know, was a, a topic at one of the recent COO Alliance events. And so that was extremely helpful for us to start, to start thinking through strategy, especially as we grow, we launch new departments and we need higher level positions to fill those departments. Um, understanding exactly what steps we need to take to tackle that or what tweaks we can make to our existing hiring process so that we're really effective in, in reaching out and securing relationships with the exact types of, of future tribe members that we need. Um, and then once we recruit people, um, we have a, a wonderful hiring funnel, largely automated. Um, we use a company called Breezy HR to do that. Um, so when we're ready to post a position, we put the what we call the career description directly in Breezy, and we can push it out to each of the different uh, candidate platforms directly through Breezy. And then we manage our entire uh, interview funnel through Breezy as well. So it looks very similar to a Trello board. 
where you've got each of your columns and then every candidate has a card that stores all of their information, their resume. We do uh, one-way video interviews as one of the, the application steps. Um, we ask them to, to complete responses to different questions related to the role or related to our culture. So all of that's housed on each candidate's card. And then as they move through different stages of the hiring pipeline, uh, each of those stages have automated actions that take place so that the candidates feel really proactively communicated with and that we feel very organized in knowing exactly who's where, what's happening on what timeline. Um, it just keeps everything really, really clear. And you're in, you're in a pretty competitive um, job market as well. I mean, Austin's a, a pretty fast-growing um, tech center. It's also a pretty fast-growing entrepreneurial center. How do you attract the talent that you're looking for versus a lot of the competition that's out there? For us, it, it ties back to culture. So that's the number one thing that people cite when they say why they, they decided to come work for Book in a Box as opposed to the myriad of other opportunities that they could have had. It all ties back to um, the way we exemplify learning relationships results, our core values, and the, the way that they see that through each of the interactions that they have during the hiring process. Um, and then also there are just a lot of benefits above and beyond culture, but, but that definitely are spawned from it in terms of um, doing right by people, treating adults like adults, like everybody within our organization, be they full-time or freelance, have the complete trust and autonomy to do the work that matters most to them. Um, we constantly will pull in resources as needed to make sure that we're leveraging people's unique skill sets uh, to ensure that there's less busy work by automating or outsourcing things so that people can really focus on relationships, on interactions with the authors and clients that they're working with. Um, we allow people to, to choose their schedules, um, choose the days that they work, where they work from, because we understand for ourselves and for other humans, um, you know, productivity shows up in different times and places. And so we trust every member of the tribe to be able to make those decisions for themselves. And I think that's a huge draw for folks that have come from more corporate backgrounds, um, you know, places where they were really restricted or where they weren't empowered to make their own decisions about what's best for them and what's best for their work. And as a result, we've seen a, an influx of incredibly talented, incredibly passionate, engaged people willing to give up potentially better opportunities so that they could continue to be the masters of their own, their own ship, so, so to speak. No, you guys totally get it. So you've mentioned the core values a number of times. So what are your company's core values and how, how many do you have and how did you come up with them? Yeah, so relationships, learning and results are our core values. Um, and they were defined before I joined the tribe um, by Zach and Tucker. So before, I believe before they hired anybody into the tribe, they sat down and, and really, really dug into, um, you know, who do we want to be? What are, what are our non-negotiables for being in business? What things are we not willing to sacrifice? Um, and they kept it simple, which, as you've mentioned before, is, is crucial, right? You've got companies who uh, pull in a lot, of, a lot of values that sound really nice, um, that, that they don't really adhere to, whereas for us, those things sound really, really simple, but we point to them every single day. Um, they're the source of, of some of our most heated conversations. People are very, very closely tied to them. Um, and that, that started very, very early on, even before we had a process for making books, we had, I believe in place the values for how we would make them. 
No, that's it's a solid process for sure. Um, the somebody had mentioned that you guys actually know each other's salaries. How does that work out? We do, yeah. So we take transparency to a whole other level. Um, not only do we know everybody's salaries, but the entire company is welcome to take part in a monthly uh, financials call where we go through our income statement. We go through projections of what will take place the following month. People have as much time as they'd like to ask questions about anything and everything related to our numbers as a company. Um, and we've found thus far that that accountability has only had positive results. Um, it's, it's tied to one of our principles is, is work like owners and everybody in our company truly does have access to, to profit share. They very much are the direct beneficiaries of the work and the sacrifice that they're making to pour into our company's growth. And so in, in every single way, we welcome people to be a part of that, including to like take a, a hard look at those nitty gritty numbers. Well, and they also understand why you're making the decisions you're making as well. When they see the numbers and understand the financials, they understand why you're making some of the decisions you are in terms of hiring or spending or reinvesting in growth. And they start to really understand that, you know, as a company scales, all that revenue isn't profit, right? A lot of, a lot, even exactly. the gross market. Exactly. Yeah. And we're, we're just over three years old as a startup. We've grown really quickly, but there are costs associated with growth. Um, we're fully bootstrapped. So no, no outside funding, no investors, no shareholders. And so we do manage our cash flow very, very closely. Um, and it, it helps people to take interest in that. I mean, our, I loved um, when we very first started doing the regular monthly calls, our, our head of performance marketing pulled aside our bookkeeper and was like, I would like a, a more regular meeting specifically to look at marketing numbers because when we were doing the, the whole company financial call, I noticed a few line items that I'm pretty confident I can get down. Um, and so instead of people, you know, the sensation that you see in a lot of more corporate environments is like, oh, we need to take as much as we can because otherwise our budget will be decreased the following year or, you know, something will be taken from us. And I think when you have a more abundant focused mindset, you recognize like we will rise and we will fall together and we are all in this together and we're only going to take what we need and we as a company are going to make the best decisions that allow us to achieve our goals and achieve our vision. And one wonderful way that we found to do that is again, to, to be transparent about everything, including our financials. Okay. So tell me transparently, where are you guys screwing up? Where are you making mistakes right now that, that's frustrating you or you're struggling with? Yeah. So I mentioned this, uh, there's a, there's a couple places as with any company, right? I'd be lying if I said there weren't, um, I mentioned this on our, our CO Alliance call, but we are really great with momentum. We are really great at, at execution, getting things done, seeing opportunity, and that results in a lack of focus. Like we need to make sure that we have our vivid vision and that we are saying no to things, which we've gotten slightly better at, but there's absolutely room for improvement there. Um, yeah, always room for improvement in ensuring that we're bringing on the right people to continue growing and scaling the company while preserving our culture. And so that's where I found so much value in, in one of the recent CEO Alliance events was recognizing how we can be more intentional and proactive about reaching out to ideal candidates rather than relying entirely on, on candidates coming into us. Um, so that's another place. And then also our book in a box product is a niche product. There's a very certain, you know, market that that appeals to. 
And so from a sales and marketing perspective, finding that niche, recognizing what types of marketing we can use to make sure that, that people who are looking for us can find us. Cause it's not a product that you sell. You don't, yeah. uh, you don't do a pay-per-click and, and put a $25,000 book package in front of someone who wasn't exactly looking for it. Um, and so part of our solution for that is also to diversify the products that we're offering. So you've mentioned before book coaching. Um, and I, I suspect Tucker's talked to you about it a bit, but that's one of the things we're most excited about right now. So that's a, a lower dollar, um, completely differently structured book option where, where folks who want to write their own manuscript can come into Austin and work with a team of our, our most qualified folks to structure their ideas, really put a plan and a timeline in place, then guide themselves through the writing process and come back to us for final assets to, to finish you know designing the cover and bringing that book through to publish. Mm-hmm. Um, so focusing on, on that, focusing on speaking, um, and really just kind of drilling down and pouring all of our efforts and, and time and energy into these specific things rather than, uh, you know, trying anything and everything because we see so much possibility and opportunity everywhere. Well, you guys have done an amazing job also at, at creating raving fans. I mean, I've, I've sent um, 30 or 40 authors to you already that, that from my network, CEOs that have wanted to write a book that I've referred and, and all I hear back is people are really, really happy with the process and the product. Even if there's been hiccups throughout the process, they've been thrilled at the way you guys change things and adapted or iterated or, um, but everyone's really, really pleased with the whole process and how well it works. So I think that's been part of your growth as well. We is- greatly appreciate that. And hearing that is, is our utmost delight. Um, yes, fulfilled authors and folks who are able to achieve the goals that they have because they publish a book is, is sincerely the reason why we do what we do. Um, and it means so much to us that you've said specifically so many our way. It's, it's the highest compliment that we could ever receive. Well, tell me, um, thank you. You're welcome. And there'll be, there'll be a lot more. For sure. <laughs> you, um, you mentioned the COO Alliance a few times and you've gotten a lot of value out of that. What, when you came to the first COO Alliance event, what, um, what did you do that allowed you to get the most value out of it? And what do you think has been your big value so far? Yeah, definitely. So the very first event that I came to was in June, or actually I believe July of 2017. And you guys have actually grown a lot since then as well. I think the events have become more focused. I love the themes that you guys are doing because it allows me to really focus on a specific area of business and then have really tangible, tangible, immediately actionable takeaways that I can go back and and implement right away. Um, So I would compliment you on that. That very first one, to be completely honest, one of the greatest takeaways that I had was uh, this deep sense of inspiration and encouragement because I've grown a lot since I started with Book in a Box, but I, I came on in a role as an operations manager. Um, I, I asked a million questions. I have an incredible work ethic and eventually they realized, oh, we're going to have to promote her. Um, and so my, my trajectory has been very much one of growth and of learning and of, of being mentored. Um, and so for me, it was a really, really, uh, both grounding and inspiring shift to, to be in a room of people who were admitting the same, uh, the same issues that they were trying to solve the same problems. They had the same degrees of insecurity and we were able to come together and be really authentic and support each other through those and also kind of recognize uh, all of the possibilities that we had in front of us. 
um, there is this incredible sense of of belonging and of certainty that um, yeah that was transformative I think from that very first one yeah, and it's really it's really become your tribe as well because you're hanging out with your peers that are also COOs or also running companies. Um, I know Tucker is is a part of a couple mastermind groups. We were at an event together last week in New York, and he's a part of the Genius Network. And you know, Zach is also a part of um, the Entrepreneurs Organization. I think JT might be in Vistage. Um, so, so you guys are doing a great job at actually getting into those networks to grow your skills. What are you doing to grow? Um, and I, I did a Facebook post about this this morning. Mm-hmm. Just asking, what are you doing to grow your employees' skill sets? And do you have a budget that you spend per year on on growing people's skills? So um, we don't yet have a, a defined budget, but we do regularly look for opportunities, and we do also invest up to $1,500 per year for every single tribe member to use as they see fit towards um, continuing education, towards any sort of relevant education uh, that they'd like to pursue. So that's in place. Um, and then we also recently, because to be honest, before we didn't have a, a people department, it was something that I was um, kind of holding together amongst a variety of other, of other roles. And so we recently transitioned in a phenomenal head of people, Kathleen Peterson, who is formerly one of our lead publishing managers, which is essentially a project management role. And she's deeply passionate about our culture, deeply passionate about understanding people and seeing which ones would be a great fit for, for our company and for our continued growth. And so now as of, as of the beginning of this month, actually, she's totally taken over all of our recruitment, hiring, onboarding and then perhaps most important importantly the the tribe experience right like what how are we going to continue developing and evolving and retaining these incredible people that we've worked really really hard to draw in and so um yeah that's her her primary focus now well i've always said that a leader's job is to grow people as well and if we continue to work on growing our, our team's skills but also their confidence if we work on the competence and confidence and competence and confidence that's really our sole yeah. job. And the more we grow our people, the faster our company grows too. Yes, absolutely. Talk, tell me a little bit about delegation and getting stuff off your plate, not just delegating a task at a time, but how do you get some of even your core you know, areas that you were responsible? How do you delegate those out to people? Because I think that's something else that allows us to grow, but the more we can work in our, you know, you know, our own unique ability. Yeah, so in my experience, this was something that used to be very, very challenging for me, uh, especially because my role early on with Book in a Box was to do everything. Uh, and so as, as we grew and as my role shifted away from doing everything to ensuring that people, other people had all the resources and support they needed to own those things themselves, that was, um, I won't say it was incredibly graceful. There was, you know, a period of time where I really, really had to, um, grow my own confidence and recognize how much value I still had to offer, even if I wasn't doing all of the things myself. And so I'd point that out because I've seen, um, I've seen a similar obstacle in, in other COOs or directors of operations, people working um, and going through that shift themselves. And so it's recognizing how much more engaged and excited about work people are when they feel they have full ownership over certain things. So not just delegating tasks, like, please help me do this, but really recognizing entire areas of responsibility that another person is well-equipped to carry forward and giving them that responsibility, which then empowers them to come to you for the support and help that they need while they're completely driving forward something that you no longer need to keep in your mind space. And I think that frees us up to 
leverage ourselves for the things that we're uniquely equipped to be able to do uh, while also then enabling someone else to do the same with this new area of responsibility. And as soon as I, actually I would say the, the greatest way I learned that was uh, through the behavior of the people that I get to work alongside directly, seeing how excited they were to take over new areas of business caused me to reflect on how I feel when that's been done for me in the past. Oh, exactly. um, and yeah, and that's really, really helped with that, that shift of delegation. And again, that's growing, their, that's growing their confidence, right? The more you delegate to them and pass off to them, the more confident and excited they are on their role because they see them taking something that used to be on your plate and they feel good about it. So, um, yeah, good for you to see the observation. Now, I know you're, you're also personally working a little bit on getting more balance in your life. So how's that going? It's wonderful. Yeah. Um, so we've started something called the Whole Self Program within Book in a Box. And so we used to have twice a year uh, summits where the whole company would get together and we'd do something called strengths and obstacles, where it's almost like group therapy for two days. We dig into what are your personal, professional and relationship goals and what are your strengths and obstacles in relation to those goals? And people were hungry for it. I mean, it got raw and real and there were very painful, difficult things being discussed. And we all loved it. Um, it was among the most meaningful things that we got to do that we continue to get to do as a tribe. And so that evolved into a monthly program, which is the whole self that I mentioned, where we meet one-on-one -on -one now with someone else in the tribe that we've chosen to guide us and to hold us accountable. And for me, that was an immediate click of like, oh, I'm prioritizing work over all of these other things that are equally important to me. And now my work is telling me that I get to prioritize everything. Um, so it's this moment of permission that I wish never needed to happen for anyone. Um, but I'm very glad that it, that it happened for me because what I've seen as a result of that is uh, other areas of my life are flourishing and the clarity and the focus that I have as a result of that, of like this wonderful intensity in all aspects of my life that matter to me, I find that I'm bringing that back to work. And so even though I'm, I'm spending time elsewhere, um, be that uh, I've gotten pretty into to strength training as of late. So that's nice. something that I used to, to not make time for at all. Um, I'm learning how to, to boat. I love spending time outside, pouring into my relationships. And so all of these things are really, uh, yeah, just really flourishing in, in ways that otherwise they wouldn't be doing, um, specifically because of, of the encouragement that I've gotten through, through Book in a Box. Well, I'll tell you, the more that you focus on that, the more that it does trickle throughout the organization, too, because yeah. it's so easy to talk about, you know, that we really care about our employees, but then you make them work, you know, 20 hours a day. Um, so the more you continue to bring that out through the organization and down through the organization makes a huge ripple. You also talked earlier about, um, you know, you put the cult in culture, and I've always <laughs> that to build an amazing business, it has to be slightly more than a business, slightly less than a religion. It has to be in that yeah. zone of a cult. So you've done a great job with branding a lot of your systems and, um, you know, talking with these, these terms that are kind of very book in a box. What else do you think you do that, that drives, other than the core values that you've mentioned, what else drives a great culture? Um, I feel that that's something that we do largely in hiring, right? Because you bring people in with the same, the sort of same intensity and, and sense of being truly alive. Like they're really engaged in, all aspects of their life and that rubs off on each other. Like people are so curious and they're playful. Um, and so even above and beyond like structured conversations about culture, you've got people bringing out 
aspects of one another that maybe they haven't seen in other in other communities or other groups. Um, you know, they say we're the the summation of the the five people that we surround ourselves with, and I think we've got 35 of those people, and we see one another challenging ourselves in different ways or pushing through difficult moments, getting outside of our comfort zone. Um, be that personally or professionally, we we invite each other to see that vulnerability in one another. And I think the level of connection and attachment that happens as a result of that is astounding. Wow. You're giving some huge insights. I hope people are listening and paying attention to this stuff because it's it's massive. So what's tell us something that's worked really well for you in keeping your connection and communication open with the CEO. So we've, especially moving so quickly, that's a phenomenal question because it's not something that always goes as smoothly as we'd like. Uh, our CEO, JT, is very involved in, in different conferences, different sales events, and so he's not always in the office. Um, so we do rely very heavily on Slack. We use that for constant communication throughout the day. And then JT and I ensure that we connect at least every single week on a call, ideally in person, for as long as is needed to make sure that we're both caught up on everything that's taking place and that we're completely aligned um, with our priorities, our initiatives, so that throughout the week, we can continue to make independent decisions. So that's been huge for us. Um, we also regularly, especially uh, because we do have a, a more mentor type of relationship, JT's absolutely invested a lot in my growth. Uh, we at least once a month will have a meeting that we call Hustle is Real. We go in at six o'clock in the morning and we'll have, you know, from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. completely uninterrupted to focus on one specific area of business. So I usually come with a million questions and we'll dive into maybe it's hiring or maybe it's marketing or maybe it's, um, you know, putting together quarterly goals or results that we expect to see for the whole company. Uh, completely uninterrupted for that period of time. That's what we'll focus on together. And that's also been really, really effective. I love that. And again, I love it's branded hustle is real. Like, (laughs) well, the more that you brand these meetings and the more that you brand, you know, the systems and the kind of the the book in a box way, the more that does become more of a cult and that's where culture does Mm -hmm. the root of. So it's huge. So final, final words, if you had one kind of parting uh, word of advice for anyone who is in a second in command role, to really excel in their jobs, what's one thing that you would suggest that people do that's really been big for you? The one thing I would suggest above everything else is ask questions. Ask questions about everything. Um, I think in a lot of different environments, people feel that they need to know the answer. They feel that they need to present themselves in a certain way. And I think that's the quickest obstacle to, to learning. It's the quickest obstacle to growth. Um, if we don't ask questions, we hold ourselves back and therefore our company's back in, in really unnecessary ways. And I think if we have the, the curiosity and the humility to ask questions and admit when we don't know, we're all so much better off for it. That's awesome. Brittany, Brittany Walters, the second in command and director of operations for Book in a Box. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Cameron. All right. Hopefully see you at uh, either the April or June CEO Alliance event as well. Looking forward to it. All right. Take care. Thank you. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to Second in Command, brought to you by COO Alliance founder Cameron Harold. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe. For more best practices from industry-leading COOs, 
visit COOalliance.com.